0: By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.ValleyBaitMidrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program. Shalom, shalom, friends. It's an honor and delight to be here with Dr. Lori Gruen, who is the William Griffin Professor of Philosophy, and professor of feminist gender and sexuality studies and science in society society at Wesleyan University, where she also coordinates Wesleyan animal studies. Her work lies at the intersection of ethical and political theory and practice, with a particular focus on issues that impact those often overlooked in traditional ethical investigations, such as women, people of color, incarcerated people, non-human animals. She's currently working to unpack carceral logics by thinking through a complex set of issues like dignity, self-respect, empathy, disposability, and hope and hopelessness. Dr. Gruen, thank you so much for taking time to talk.
1: It's really a pleasure to
0: be here. I I was, uh, your work came to my attention with this uh, important book published by Oxford Press, uh, The Ethics of Captivity, uh, which you edited here. So I encourage folks to pick this up, very important stuff. And our topic today is confinement and captivity. So to jump right in, what are similarities and differences Um, worth noting between how the prison industrial complex is related to the way we treat animals in captivity today.
1: So one of the things that I think is really important for people who haven't been thinking a lot about captivity and thinking particularly a lot about prisons, which like captive animal operations, are pretty much out of sight. Very, not really thought about. They're not the kinds of things that are forefront in people's minds. That's changing a little bit with both the case of animals that are used for food given the climate crisis and it's changing a little bit in terms of our criminal justice reform efforts that are happening sort of across the country so it's not I would say five to ten years ago people didn't really even think about um, these questions and now people are just starting to think a little bit more about these questions there's a big difference between captive humans in prisons and captive animals And that has to do with the scale. Even though we're talking about mass incarceration in the United States, that's a little bit under 2 million people who are at any given time um, incarcerated. Animals, it's 10 billion. So I think that there's just a a very big difference between the scale of confinement and captivity. Um, Oftentimes people say that humans who are imprisoned are treated, quote unquote, worse than animals And I think that's a mistake. And the reason I think it's a mistake is that even though the conditions of captivity in prisons are not the conditions that one would want to ever put a human being in, and so I object to the conditions that humans are in in prisons, it's very different than the way that animals are treated um, in, let's say, um, KFUs, factory farms. So I think that comparison is often a problem. Um, Nonetheless, I think it's also important to think about the dignity violations that are part of confinement and control and the dignity violations for humans are actually, so for people who are incarcerated for prisoners, the dignity violation, because they have a conscientious awareness of what's happening, um, it's I think in many ways much more visceral for uh, humans who are confined than it is for non humans non humans suffer terribly, and the numbers are so vast that there 's a tremendous amount of suffering that 's caused by confinement and there 's frustration that both humans and non humans experience um, in captivity, um, various kinds of suffering, various kinds of manipulation so there there are parallels, but i don 't think that it's the comparison um, I th- well, let me just say, I think the comparison can be a vexed comparison. Um,
0: Sorry, Sorry when you say that human, when people say that human beings are treated worse than animals in prisons, and that's problematic to say, are you saying philosophically is pro- problematic, or are you saying on a practical level, quantitatively and qualitatively, the treatment of animals in factory farms is objectively m- much worse?
1: I think that's right. I think it's important to keep that in mind. So it's conceptually different, but it's also very practically different. Um, the reason that we have animals in factory farms is to kill them. Um, th- and their welfare is not is only a consideration insofar as it has an impact on how the final product is going to come out. And um, even though so many people are in prisons for ridiculously long times. Um, The goal of that imprisonment is to these days what it's called safety and security, safety and security of the population outside of prisons. But nobody thinks that they're going to confine human prisoners so that they will die. Um, And even if you think about um, the conditions on death row, which fortunately um, the death penalty is becoming more and more problematic in many places. But even if you think about the conditions on death row, it is not quite um, at the level at which animals are um, confined to be killed. So I think practically it's different.
0: Okay. Okay, great. Um, Are there cases where you think there is a moral justification to employing systems of confinement? um, And when, and if so, when or when not?
1: Right. So, um, I have a view that I realize is a fairly controversial view, um, which gets called an abolitionist view. And an abolitionist view obviously doesn't mean we're going to let everyone out of their cages or out of their prisons um, immediately or without thought or reflection. But I think philosophically now, so the distinction you made a minute ago is a helpful one here. Philosophically, I am in favor of imagining a world without captivity. Now, what does that mean? What that means ultimately is that we would not, that the idea of putting people or animals behind bars or in cages is not something that would come to mind to solve any particular problem. Um, Now, one place where I think that captivity is um, necessary and justified is um in animal sanctuaries. Oopsie, I'm sorry, my dog is now part for the conversation. So I do think that there is one um, kind of institution that is a justifiable institution that keeps animals in captivity um, but does it for out of necessity, and that's at sanctuaries. So there are sanctuaries where formerly um, farmed animals live uh, the rest of their lives in sort of with um, their welfare and and their respecting them as their primary goal of the sanctuary. The same thing for laboratory primates. Um, So that kind of captivity, I think, is um, justified. And I think this if, if you think about what would justify confinement or captivity, the well-being of the captive, if that's the primary concern, that would be a justification.
0: Great, great, just taking a few notes here. Um, how are justice issues outside of the realm of confinement impacted by how we think about discipline, punishment, profit within captivity situations?
1: It's such a great, great question. Um, I think that when we really reflect on what captivity is, it's an expression of dominance and control. Those who can contain others are exerting a kind of dominance and control. And when we think about it in those terms, we can then start to explore what might be a problem outside of the captive realm about exertions of dominance and control. And I think that that's really one of the central, centrally important issues. Another really important issue is that because those who are captive are under the control of others, and that means human captives as well as non-human captives, there's a real question about dignity um, that is exposed in that context. Um, even with non-human animals who are otherwise perfectly able to tend to their own needs and interests, to have another person controlling when they eat, when they go out, what they eat, that sort of thing, in both humans and non-humans, is a bit of a dignity violation. And it can get worse in prisons um, because prisoners are just mindful on every moment of the way in which their dignity is at stake. So I think the question of dignity is an important one in the the institutions of captivity.
0: Yeah, okay, Uh, very interesting. Um, Do you believe we should criminalize humans for brutalizing animals? Um, Or do you take the opposite perspective that this would be perpetuating the cycle, strengthening systems of inhumane treatment?
1: Yeah, I I definitely think that um, it's a very complicated problem. Um, Actually, I'm working with a colleague on another edited volume on just this topic at the moment. Um, But the idea um, is that if we are going to criminalize people for um, animal cruelty, we're perpetuating a system of incarceration. And it strikes me that there are other options and so when I mentioned abolitionism a moment ago, I think abolitionism is an important ideal. It helps you to think outside of the structures that we already have in place, structures that are had perhaps had some purpose at some point in time early incarceration prior to this this current state of mass incarceration um, the idea was to allow people time away from the bad influences and allow them to reflect. Um, And it had a spiritual component to it. That's nothing like what we have now in our system of mass incarceration. And so what I'd I'd like to see is us thinking completely otherwise about the system um, so that we don't immediately turn to the notion that if somebody does something outside of the norm or in violation of our laws or codes, that we should lock them up and throw away the key. I think we need to think differently about what it is that leads to the kinds of problems that generate um, mass incarceration. And the same thing is true obviously with other animals. For me, I like to think about, well, do we really need zoos, for example, or would it be better for zoos to become sanctuaries, places Mm -hmm. where animals whose habitats are being destroyed can live out their lives free of harm.
0: Yeah, great. Okay, one last question for you, if I may. Uh, it's been five or six years since this book came out, um, but why did you decide to take on this project, um, and why is this such an important issue for you? You know, given that your range of of interests and ethics are so broad, why is it, why this issue in particular is so uh, so important for you?
1: Well, cap. So one of the things that I think is really important is that the ethics of captivity hasn't really been discussed in the the literature. Um, it's it's a topic that Um, folks haven't really paid much attention to from a philosophical point of view. But from a practical point of view, because I am also um, an advocate for animals, and I also work in prisons, I've been teaching philosophy in prisons for 10 years, the idea of, so I'm I'm regular, and I work at sanctuaries, so the idea of captive beings is, and the reality of captive beings is part of of my world on a regular basis. And so in The Ethics of Captivity, some of the men that I've been teaching wrote about their experience of captivity. A woman who was incarcerated under, the first woman incarcerated under the Animal Enterprise Terrorism Act, also wrote a chapter and colleagues who are at sanctuaries and work in other animal contexts wrote about um, captivity. And then philosophers reflected on the conditions of captivity and its justification. And I think these are conversations that are really desperately needed. Um, And so that's partly why I I put that project together. Um, And it has led to more discussions in philosophical circles about captivity.
0: Well, so much more to say, but we want to honor your time. Thank you so much for taking this time with us. This is my pleasure. Friends, encourage you to pick up The Ethics of Captivity and check out the other important writings and books from uh, Dr. Lloyd